0: Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Well, I'm so glad to begin uh, the Holy Spirit uh, series today. We're going to explore the who, the what, and the why. Uh, It's going to last throughout the summer, but we're going to go in a lot of different directions throughout this. So if you think like, we're just going to learn about one topic for this entire summer, there's going to be a wide variety of topics within uh, this main idea of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this the last few weeks, that right now in the Super Church, Pastor Chris is preaching through the Holy Spirit. Sunday school uh, with the children are going to be going through the Holy Spirit. We'll do it through the adults. Wednesday night uh, with our children. Uh, they're gonna continue to go uh, through the Holy Spirit in a deeper way. So again, parents, if your children aren't connected through the summer, we have an active ministry there. Our groups are just launching. Uh, we have a parent group even on uh, Wednesday night, and there's a lot of other groups as well. So I'd encourage you, press in and, uh, and join us. And then Anthony uh, is going to be sharing about the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights with our youth. And then there's a class with Jim Lefkulish Sunday nights, uh, Pastor Vicki and Chad, on Thursday nights with a young adult. So there's a variety of areas. We're all pressing in to the one topic of the Holy Spirit. The reason why we're doing that is that our mission that we've been reading and learning about that's up on the wall there, it's not possible without the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. And if we want the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, we actually need to have a correct theology of the Holy Spirit. We have a correct, need to have a correct doctrine, a correct view of who he is and what the ministry is and understand, uh, uh, the a- different aspects about the Holy Spirit so that we can welcome him into our lives and that we can actually be led by the Holy Spirit and live by the Holy Spirit. So last week we asked uh, for surveys. We got several hundred uh, questions back and ideas back and different answers back and I do appreciate uh, a lot that was uh, given. Now what we're gonna do is we're, we're praying about what to share and then we're gonna use those questions as context within the messages uh, to helpfully answer most if not all of those questions. There were different topics that were mentioned more than others, but it is our attempt to bring as much clarity, biblically speaking, about the Holy Spirit as possible. Before I begin uh, the the very first question uh, that's gonna happen, what what I'm gonna do, I'm I'm going to address one large question uh, for at least the next 12 weeks, and then within that larger question, I believe that many of your smaller questions uh, will be answered, biblically speaking. Um, But before I begin with today's question, Uh, the most popular subject in all of the questions was speaking in tongues. So I just wanna reassure you, I wanna hit on four quick points because I'm not gonna get to that for maybe six or seven weeks. Uh, I'm just gonna drop these things in your lap and you can kind of research them scripturally speaking and then we will address them very clearly and slowly um, uh, beforehand. But I just wanna rest assured for, for, for several questions that we came. So the first thing is this, you can absolutely be saved, meaning that the Holy Spirit is in you you could be going to heaven and not speak in tongues, okay? That's a confusion in the word and in, in the body of Christ. People get nervous if they've never spoken in tongues. Can I still get to heaven? Absolutely. Two completely separate experiences. Second thing, we do not teach anywhere on this campus that you are living in sin or that you are not saved if you're not speaking in tongues. Again, there's just so much confusion in this doctrine. We're going to make it clear and then we're going to encounter the Holy Spirit in this area. Thirdly, speaking in tongues, though it was an evidence of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is a separate experience and salvation. That was not the focus of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The focus was living a life of power. It was living a life of being an effective witness. So yes, it's an evidence, but so many people get caught up in that and they get nervous about it, that they don't seek Jesus to pour out his Holy Spirit on us. And we want him to do that in the most authentic ways Uh, this upcoming summer. And lastly, uh, just because speaking in tongues may be a strange phenomenon to you personally, that does not mean that we can ignore the fact that God gave this to the church as both a public gift and a private prayer language, along with all of the benefits that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. So we're gonna take it slow. We'll go deep into that after we preach on uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit in upcoming months. I just wanted to drop those few little nuggets uh, here. In your lap, The first question I'm gonna answer about the Holy Spirit today is how is the Holy Spirit fully divine? Almost every single one of you that filled out a survey last year, you agreed that God or that the Holy Spirit is fully God yet in spirit form. So when I say that word divine, I mean that, that the Holy Spirit has all the attributes of deity. So I just wanna to, to, to unpack those two words very quickly. Divine means divine pertaining to the one true god. So when I when I say the word divine, that means we're talking about our god. That word deity means the divine quality so pertaining to the one true god that distinguishes gods from, or distinguishes our god from all other entities. So what that means is god cannot be likened or compared to anything else that has ever been created. He is god alone. And today we're going to show you through tons of scripture that the Holy Spirit is fully God, is fully divine, is fully deity. So the first thing I want to do is show you the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, there's going to be a lot of different scriptures I'm going to read from the NIV. I think a newer translation of the NIV will be up on the screen might be a little bit different. You can write these down. What I believe I'm gonna do uh, the following Sunday of every message is we're gonna give you the main topics and all the scriptures that were shared uh, today. And then uh, you can use those for study notes. So if you're not writing things down, we'll have them in your hands next Sunday. First thing I'm gonna read is from Matthew chapter three, starting at verse 13. This is when Jesus comes to be water baptized. It says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That was John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. Jesus says, yeah, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, again, this is not baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is water baptism. This is Jesus' body going all the way under, being fully immersed in water, and then coming back up, what we're going to do just in a few short weeks here uh, with folks on our baptismal. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending uh, like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. uh, These few verses here, verses 16 and 17 are a great picture of what we call the Godhead all showing up together. We have Jesus, the Son, fully God, yet coming, fully human, present here, right? He gets gets immersed into water and comes up. Then we see who we call the third person of the Godhead or the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is actually coming down in the form of a dove, it says here. I don't know if it actually looked like a dove or it was just in the form of one. But we have Jesus, fully God, yet standing in flesh right here out of the water. Then we have the Holy Spirit actually coming down. As the Holy Spirit comes and rests on him, what do we hear? We hear a voice from heaven saying something about the Son. So if they're talking about the Son, then who's talking? The Father. So we know that the Father is now that third, we call him the first person in something we call the Trinity. So in just these two verses, we have the Father, his home, his abode, his dwelling place is in heaven. We have the Son, who is fully God, but came in flesh. Now, we're gonna look at scriptures later on, um, not today, but in future weeks, that Jesus, before he came in human form, was around. He's not a created being. So he was here before the creation of the earth. So we have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit uh, all showing up. Again, the Holy Spirit is not a created thing. He is the third person of the Trinity. And when we say that word Trinity, we mean this, is that there are three unique, distinct persons of the Godhead that we call the Trinity. Can you say Trinity? The word Trinity is not found in Scripture, though it is widely accepted as a common term used to describe these three unique and yet distinct beings that make up our Godhead. And you may know by our name, Central Assembly of God. We're an Assemblies of God church. So in some of the beliefs uh, here, uh, it talks about the Trinity. it says, the one true God has revealed himself as the eternally self-existent I am. He's the creator of heaven and earth, and he's the redeemer of mankind. It says he has further revealed himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Say Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. All three are fully divine, all deity in one Godhead. So there's unique characteristics and roles that the Father has that makes him the Father and not the Son. And there's unique roles and responsibilities and characteristics of the Son that makes him the Son and not the Father and not the Holy Spirit. And there's unique roles and responsibilities for the Holy Spirit that makes him the Holy Spirit and not the Father or not the Son. So we're going to learn later uh, some of these different rules. But if you look at this, the father loved us so much that he sent his one and only Son. son to the earth. So the father, out of his love for us, he sent the son to earth. Okay, The son comes to earth and he spends his life, his ministry, revealing the father to people. And then Jesus says, when I go, when the son comes back up to be with the father, I'm going to ask the father to send his promised gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he spends his time in ministry revealing the son. We come in contact with the son. The son reveals the father. The father is the one who sent the Holy Spirit. All very unique and distinct, yet because they are in a state of unity, we do not have three gods. We have one Godhead in which we call the Trinity all three persons are fully God. So an example of this is this. Uh, This would occur for you as well. I am one person, right? I am Kurt Jenkins. I have a body, a soul, and a spirit, a human spirit. I also have the Holy Spirit in me because I'm a believer, but just my human nature. I have a body, a soul, and a spirit, okay? Okay three very distinct manifestations of who I am, and yet they're all one, they're unified, okay? So watch this, my body is fully curt. My soul, which is my mind, my will, and emotions, that also is fully curt. And my human spirit, when God breathed life into me, as soon as I was conceived, my spirit is fully curt, yet all unified as one. So my body can be cutting the grass while my soul, my mind is thinking about maybe one of my kids' soccer games while I'm praying in the spirit. Three distinct, different things happening all at one time and unified. That's how it's just one example of how the the Trinity, the Godhead works. Fully unified, all representing one God. Now throughout scripture, in almost every translation, when referring to the Holy Spirit, Uh, Using a pronoun, it refers to it using he or him or his. The Holy Spirit has many personal qualities. We're going to learn about those in just a few weeks, and this is the thing that a lot of people miss. We look at the Holy Spirit as an it, so we don't try to have a relationship with a it. But when we realize the Holy Spirit is a person because he has personal qualities, but he doesn't have a body; he's a spirit. I get that but he has personal qualities which allow you to have a personal relationship with him. So when you're reading through scripture in John 14, John 16, it uses the word comforter. Some of your translations might say counselor, advocate, helper, all those are used, in a masculine, uh, used as a masculine word. So then following those verses, the pronoun uses he and him and his. Now the word holy, and the word spirit, those are both neutral words. They're not given a gender. So I'm not trying to hammer home that he's a boy. He is a spirit, but he has many, many personal qualities. You are supposed to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The, relation, the, the Holy Spirit is who led Jesus through his ministry. The Holy Spirit is who prohibited Paul to speak in some areas and led him to speak in other areas. So it's, it's supposed to be a spirit-filled life where we have that personal relationship, okay? So say this. Say, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy spirit is not an it. Say, I should, the Holy spirit. I should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, he's not an impersonal force that's just out there and intangible. He's the spirit of the living God living within you. And I would think that God the Father and God the Son wants us to have a relationship with God the Holy Spirit. So this is what I wanna do. We're gonna go through a lot of different verses here. There's a distinction of the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son, though each one of these are divine. So I wanna wanna go through a lot of scripture with you here. You could first, you could turn, or you could actually just listen with me. Uh, Genesis chapter one, verses 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them roll over the fish of the sea, and of the birds, of the air, over the livestock, and over the earth, over the creatures that move along the ground. Now, I do not believe that Moses had, well, I don't know if he did. There's no evidence scripturally that Moses had a revelation that there was God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because the Son hadn't showed up yet. And yet, we see a plural being used here. Now, many feel there's different views here, but many theologians, along with the Assemblies of God believes that this here is the first expression of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the plural saying, let us, how many gods do we serve? One God, yet, there, yet he is manifested in three unique, distinct ways. So he's saying here, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Next one is in Deuteronomy chapter six in verse four. Now the Israelites, uh, people of this day, they served many gods. They believed in many deities. They believed uh, in, in over hundreds, in hundreds and hundreds of them. And each of the gods had one little specific role. And what God's trying to prove here is this: I'm one God. You're not serving three gods. We're not serving God the Father is a different God than Jesus is a different God than the Holy Spirit. He's one God manifested in three persons. So he says here, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The Lord's not two or three or four. The Lord's saying, listen, when you follow God, when you follow Jesus, you are following the one true God. You find the Father because you've accepted the Son into your heart. And as soon as you accept the Son into your heart, like Jesus doesn't come and live in a little box in your heart, guys, Right? The Spirit of Jesus, who is the Spirit of God, who is the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in you the moment you say yes to Jesus. All right, Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four is another, uh, you'll see here the baptism and genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter three. So Jesus is already baptized in water. Jesus the Son, baptized in water. Uh, God the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon him. And then the father says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. If you go to uh, verse one in chapter four of Luke, it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now what happened just when he was baptized? The Holy Spirit came and rested upon him. And now it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit of God into the desert. And then we see the temptation here. So now we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus, and we have the Father. The Father's not in this verse, but we see throughout Jesus' life, he is in constant communication with the Father. So they're two distinct beings, yet one God. And now Jesus, we would say, well, he doesn't need the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, he is fully God, but he chose to be emptied of the power of God that he would live life as a man, showing us the pattern of life. To be sinless, right? To be completely dependent upon God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't lead himself out into the desert. He relied on the leading of the Holy Spirit to then take him into that place where he could rebuke uh, the enemy, he could uh, confess scripture, he could overcome those attacks, and then live the life that God was calling him to live. John chapter 14. You guys okay? Again, we're going to give these to you next week. I want you to be able to look at these in context. I only have so much time uh, to, to share these. So John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. And I will ask the father. He's asking his daddy, his heavenly father. And he will give you another counselor to be with you. Is that word counselor is capitalized, it represents the Holy Spirit. In fact, my Bible says, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And then he, he caps it off in verse 17. It says, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I'm gonna show you this a little bit later, but I want you to look at the two different aspects of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Jesus is saying, he is living with you. He's around you right now, but soon he will be in you. That's because Jesus hadn't gone to the Father yet. People weren't able to be reborn yet or born again because Jesus was still with them. So the Holy Spirit was given as doses of anointing uh, throughout Jesus's ministry, but he wasn't living in believers quite yet. So you follow us out. Jesus is asking the Father to give believers the Holy Spirit. We have the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, fully divine, all deity expressed in this one verse. If you go over two more chapters to John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, it says, uh, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. Who's the counselor? The Holy Spirit, you guys are doing great. All right, it says, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is interesting. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to ask the Father to give the promise of the Holy Spirit. And yet just another conversation later, Jesus is saying, the Father's gonna give him, but I'm going to actually be the one that pours him out. And we're gonna see that later on. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. We're gonna talk about this in a few weeks. And righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is a very specific ministry of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28. You guys probably know this well. This is the Great Commission. What's Jesus say to do? He says, go, therefore, or therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in who? The name of the? And the? And the? Jesus is not going to have you baptize somebody in, you know, the names of two, pe- two of the persons of the Trinity and one's less. They all have equal aspects. And then if we look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, where are we at? Verse 32 and 33. This is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out. Uh, Peter is now preaching here. Verse 32, it says, this is Peter preaching. It says, God raised this Jesus to life. Now, in Romans chapter 8, 11, it says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. So the spirit of God is actually who raised Jesus from the dead. And yet it says here that God raised this Jesus to life. He raised Jesus to life through the Spirit of God. He says, and we were all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, who is Jesus, he has received from the Father. So Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out the Holy Spirit onto the believers. Are you seeing this relationship, guys? So Jesus goes to the right hand of the Father. The Father hands Jesus the Holy Spirit. Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on the believers. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, just one, one more verse that, it, that does this. I'm gonna go through four attributes of the Holy Spirit here. It says here, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit—all one God, manifested in three persons. Okay, take a deep breath. We're not done yet. This is what I want to do. I said you're going to get your scriptures worth this, this this series. All right. So, what I want to do is go through four attributes that the Holy Spirit has that God also has, that God the Father also has. So we're gonna just look at four simple attributes. I'm gonna go through a few verses to prove to you that the Holy Spirit is not just distinct and unique from the Father and the Son, but is also fully divine. The first one is the Holy Spirit is eternal. Eternal means this, everlasting, unlimited, and infinite. Eternal meaning not created, not limited by time and space. If you go to Hebrews chapter 9, Verse 14, this is Jesus talking about how he entered the most perfect tabernacle with not the blood of goats and not the blood of another animal, but with his own blood. And by that blood entering into the Holy of Holies, we can now be right with God. But he goes on and he says in verse 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ who through the, what, read those two words, through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. So what happened here is this. Jesus, being fully God, yet fully human, entered into the most holy of holies, the most perfect tabernacle, which is the heavenlies, right? Right before God, he was only able to offer his blood through the guidance of the eternal spirit. So we see here that the Holy Spirit is eternal, was here before creation ever existed, and will be here forevermore. That's a powerful picture though, again, of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was actually the one ushering Jesus in with that blood to the Father. Now I want you to catch something. I want you to start, when we, if you're a if you're Bible-turner with me, I want you to start circling the capital S's in your Bible. I think there's only one translation that does this differently. But, um, but every other translation that I've read, anytime you see a capital S, he's talk, the Bible's talking about the Holy Spirit. Anytime it's a lowercase s, it's a, the human spirit that you are given. Your human spirit is unregenerated. When you give your life to Jesus and repent of your sins, you receive the Holy capital S spirit. So if you see here in this verse here, the eternal spirit, it's a capital S in my translation. What does the new NIV have? We're good, all right. I was going to have you train the translation. No, I'm just joking. All right, the second one is the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Omnipresent means he's in all places at all times. He's not limited by space or time. He transcends any limits that could ever be put on him. If you look at, uh, not Romans, Psalms, check my notes here. Psalms 139, verses seven, starting in verse seven, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Capital S. What's the answer to that? Nowhere. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Now, some theologians think that there's a switch there from where can I go from your presence talking about the spirit then talking about the father in heaven. It doesn't matter because they are one God manifested and three different persons. Back to John chapter 14, 16 and 17. I wanna read this verse and just highlight something else to you. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. I shared this with you just a bit ago here. It says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor. And it says here that he lives with you and will be in you, okay? So keep, keep those two things in mind. Say with you. Say, in you. Say, with me. In me. Okay, now turn to Acts chapter 1. Or actually, just look on the screen. I don't think any of you are flipping with me at this point. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Watch this now. It says, this is Jesus right before he goes to be with the Father, He says, and he's already taught them that the Holy Spirit lives with them, which means he's around them. He is the presence of God on this earth. We'll see in a few weeks, he was hovering over the earth when it was formless and void. So he was always living with us. He says, soon he's gonna be with you. And then in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes what? Comes upon you or on you. So now we have three very distinct actions of the Holy Spirit. We have, he lives with us, say with me. me. He lives in me me. and he will come upon me. And we're going to break those things out over the upcoming weeks, but it's very important to understand there are different functions of this one spirit of God. He is the presence of God everywhere on the earth. He lives in believers when they're born again and he comes upon them for the purpose of power. I've heard it said once before that the Holy Spirit's in you for your benefit, the guarantee that you belong to the Father. But He comes upon you for the benefit of others because the purpose is power. Third attribute of God, that's also an attribute of the Holy Spirit God, or the Holy Spirit, is omniscient, meaning He's all knowing, He has all sufficient knowledge and understanding. If you wanna look, 1 Corinthians chapter two. I'm gonna read two verses, this entire scripture, uh, this entire portion of scripture is just full of truth. I just wanna read a few verses to you though. Actually, if you go up to verse nine, I'll just read a little bit because I think 10 is gonna be on the screen. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for us who love him, right? We would say that we can't understand all this stuff. It says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So God is revealing the mysteries of everything he has planned to us through one entity. And his name is Holy Spirit. When we're praying, when we're searching scriptures, when we're seeking God, you're not seeking this far off distant God that's way, way, way up in the third heaven. He lives in you. He's not far from you. He's right with you and in you and upon you. So it says here, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the spirit is searching even the deep things of God. It goes on to say, hey, who among men knows the thoughts of men except the man's spirit? So listen, my human spirit knows what's going on in my mind, right? Because I'm one person, body, soul, and spirit. And he's saying the same thing. Listen, the Holy Spirit knows everything that's going on in God's mind. In fact, it says in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the lowercase s spirit of this world, but the capital S spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. Which means if we're confused about something, if we're seeking an answer about something, maybe we're imagining God being way too far off. Maybe we need to remind ourselves that the spirit of the living God is within us and that he is showing us these things. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. If you want to just throw up that John chapter 14, it'll save me from flipping. This is Jesus again. I'm I'm going to show you the same verses from different angles so many times until this stuff gets in you. So it says the uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to be given. It says, we'll teach you all things. Say all things. And we'll remind you of everything. Say everything. I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is charged with reminding us what Jesus taught us, teaching us all things. You wanna to go to John chapter 16 real fast. He says, I have much more to bear to say to you. More, oh no, go, to, go ahead on to John chapter, yeah, no, that's not the verse. Okay, I'll find it. Commercial break. There we go. All right. Uh, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit's coming for the per- one of the purposes of guiding us into all truth. All right, two more, two more verses. The last aspect I wanna talk about is that, God, that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. When we think of the powerful hand of God, we always think, again, of him up in heaven. Though the Holy Spirit is living, active, and breathing in your life as the operational power of God. I wanna look at Luke chapter one. Verse 34, it says this. This is after Mary is engaged with, um, not engaged, but having discussion with an angel about bearing Jesus as her child. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. That word overshadow, it carries the sense of the Actual, tangible, holy, powerful presence of God in fact this this word overshadow is the New Testament version when, the, when if you remember uh, in the Old Testament, when the cloud of God, the presence of God, came over the tabernacle and rested, and the fire of God falls, and the presence of God comes out, we would say, Hey, God was truly there. This is the New Testament word of that old testament word the, the power of of the Most High God will overshadow Mary. How did the power of God show up? Through the Holy Spirit. It was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter one, it shows about the power of God again. Starting at verse four, Jesus is talking. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. He says, John, he baptized in water, right? We talked about this earlier today. Jesus being, being immersed in water, that's a water baptism. He says, but soon in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Follow me now. The Holy Spirit lives what? With me, say with me, with me. in me, and upon me. Now, Jesus is saying this gift, the, this gift of the Father, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, he goes on in verse seven and says, it's not for you to know the times and the dates of when the restoration of the kingdom's gonna come. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then in verse nine, he was taken up before their eyes. Where did he go? He go on vacation? No, Jesus, Jesus ascends to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And again, we have a picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all fully divine, all fully personal, all desiring a relationship with you. Why don't we stand at this time? That was a lot for me today. Maybe it was a lot for you, but I'm going to have fun. We're going to have fun learning about the Holy Spirit. So listen, the world does desperately need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. God is not this far off, God just saying, okay, just do whatever you're gonna do here and I really hope that they learn about me. No, God is flowing through believers like you and me through the Holy Spirit because the world desperately needs an encounter. But it might just be that we're not ready, some people might not be ready to give that encounter because we first have to come into relationship with Holy Spirit. We have to simply admit that he is personal, he is real, he is divine. He's not a trickle. He's not this little, little, little extra something extra that, that God has. And he said, okay, you can have that and you can have that. No, we all have the, what do they say? The full dose of the Holy Ghost. We have the spirit of God in us, but we need to start, be, be, we need to start interacting with him and being led by him, being counseled by him, being helped by him, being comforted by him. So I'm simply gonna close in prayer. I'm going to ask Adam to play. Our altar team can come up. And if you really, if you've never sensed the closeness of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you've never realized that he is God manifested here on this earth, if you simply just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come in a fresh way in your life, for any of those reasons, I'm just going to invite you to come up as everybody else leads. So let's just pray here. As I'm praying, actually, the altar team can make their way up. Father, we do thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the presence of God in us, upon us, around us, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Father, today we pray to you in the name of Jesus through the power that the Holy Spirit has given us. We address you as the Father. We thank you for your Son. And Father, we thank you also for your Holy Spirit. I do pray, God, over these next several months, whether it's through a class, a sermon, a teaching, discussion, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, however, whenever in our own private prayer closets, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in such a fresh way. We would know we have that comforter, that guide, that counselor, that advocate, and we also have the raw power of God to manifest to the world around us. Father, we ask for your blessing, your favor, and your protection to be on us as we leave from here today. In Jesus' name, amen. I Man, please come forward if you want prayer in any of those areas just to receive fresh ministry from the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.